Hello listeners and welcome back to the HFR podcast. Did you miss us? We've been men down here, full of COVID, full of flu, full of frogs, legs and jambon burr. Today, there's four of us. Um, there's now to smile about in his life, Ollie Scholes, how are you doing? No, I'm fine, I cheers. <laughs> uh, he's going to have to order a new passport, he's, he's run out of pages, what a shame. Darren Montgomery, bonjour, ça va? <laughs> I lost my last passport, I was a bit annoyed about that, but I uh, finally got a new one. All right, lads. And, uh, and better known by his Twitter handle, at Schemes, Stephen Evans, how are you going, mate? Great to have you on today. And I'm Stuart Wall, Managing Director of the New Zealand Jude Bellingham Fan Club, Members 1. Um, what a player though, uh, another late goal in the 94th minute versus Union Berlin. Shame really for Union Berlin, but uh, he's a star boy. That's what the kids are saying these days, isn't it, star boy? Are we allowed to say that after, after we're 30? No? Never, Never mind. <laughs> We've got to say, like, my star boy. That's, that's what they say. It's like, my star boy. So, right. people are weird now, and they support, like, players instead of clubs, don't they? Like, you would uh, never get that back in the day, would you? Nah, totally. So, he's he's definitely my star, my star boy, then. Let's go with that. Um, right, just before we get started, uh, we've got, in country now, six, the How and seven, the Murphy, which is dead exciting. Uh, they'll be on sale very soon. Um... So previous buyers, expect a pre-sale email in your inbox, quick sharp. That'll be there very soon. Uh, and the great pins, actually. So more fantastic designs by Pen or Draws. Thank you very much. And I also spied the design of Callum Wilson. Dropped through on the email the other day, which looks absolutely tremendous. Can't wait for that one. Um, so if, you, if you're yet to start your collection, we've got a deal on at the minute, which is fifteen ninety nine, and you can get number two, the Isaac, Number three, the Bruno. Number four, the Pope. And number five, the Tyndall, which will save you a quid per pin. So get up to speed before the rest drop, and that'll uh, that'll do you nice. Stock's running low on uh, the Isaac and the Bruno. There's still some Pope and Tyndall, though, um, and obviously plenty of Howe and Murphy to come. So you can get us at the usual places, uh, at we are HFR on, on X. Are we calling it X yet? Twitter? We still call it Twitter? Uh, let's go with Twitter. Yeah. At we are HFR on Instagram and, uh, and have a little ponder at we are HFR.bigcartel.com for all the latest gear we've got, including the Corinthians pin collection, which is going great guns. Right, lads, now that's out of the way. Uh, let's get started. Um, so, by demand by Gomez, I think, yeah, let's talk about food at football and uh, food at the match. Our fans of in game munching. Should it stay pre and post match? And what's some of the best treats that you've had on your travels? Darren, let's start with you. You've obviously you've just been to Marseille last week. Um did you get your hands on any local delicacies? Well not not during the match, right? But I noticed a few things during the match that just got us got us thinking about it. So the first thing was the Marseille crowds can he can he raj. So there's a few hard looking ultras and, and serious fans knocking around. <clears throat> one bald fella I saw looked canny intense and then pulled out a pack of Haribo. So that was the first thing I thought was a bit weird. Didn't expect to see that. <laughs> Firstly in France, which is a football game generally, particularly from that menacing looking fella. And then one of the other blokes that I saw across the way, and I don't think he got this from the match. I think he brought it from home. 
which is also a surprise, pulled out the, and it looked unreal, this like massive ham and cheese baguette. Oof. It's like, it's just a weird thing to like, all right, I'm going to go to the football, have a few beers, but I am going to take a packed lunch. <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't get anything. Uh, sandwiches and pizza seemed to be the sort of things that were, that were on offer. But I just thought it got us thinking about like what, what are the best things you've had or what are the strangest things you've seen when it comes to food at football? No, it's the most French ever, French thing ever, that isn't it? Pulling out a baguette at the football. It's like, um, what, what about you, Ollie? You, you, obviously, you're, you're heading to Dortmund. Are you looking forward to getting full of schnitzel? What, what sort of uh, food have you, have you sampled when you've been on your away days? Oh, loads. Absolutely loads, as you can probably tell by looking at us. Uh, no, like the best I've ever had, I went to a non-league game. Um, it was at Crea Valley, um, paper mills. And they had, it's very, um, you'll have to excuse me, ignorance. It's it's Caribbean, I think, that Jamaican. I think there's a big Jamaican population there. It might be, might be somewhere else in the Caribbean. But they had like loads and loads of Jamaican food and stuff. They had like pulled uh, jerk chicken and stuff like that. One of the, some of them in a bun, like honestly, it was the, the like the best stuff I've ever had. Um, I find like the food at the, the lower leagues is much better. Um, went to uh, uh, Brackley as well, and they had um, like they sourced it from the local butchers, like sausages and burgers and stuff like that. And it was absolutely lush. But then you got to some places, and it's just like put the pies in it. It's just oh, get in, get in a hundred of them. It's a shite, and then. And that's just awful. But I mean, obviously, going to Newcastle every week, I, I rarely get any food to be honest. But when I do, the pies are, are shite. They're like they're too hot to eat anyway. It's like molten lava inside them, so it's just like biting into a volcano, and it's 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 awful. They're horrible. It's just like it, I suppose you've got it's mass catering in it. You've got to just get what you can. But that's why I find the non-league games a lot a lot nicer. I definitely. I think that the Twixes and Mars bars at St James's are about seven grand on there each as well. So it's like. It's not cheap, like. It's like a meal deal. Um, I think we've talked about it before, haven't we? <laughs> um, um, aye. Aye, that's fair. I'm happy with a bovril, me. Aye. Bovril with a side of Caribbean jerk chicken. Aye. Oh, it was lovely. Like, nice. I'd, I'd drive back there today mm-hmm. if I want, if I could. <laughs> Stephen, you've, you've done your, your fair few sporting trips, mate. What, what's what's the best bit you've seen? Um, you've been over the States as well, so I imagine that's pretty, pretty tasty stuff over there. I um, so that was massive over there though. Um, so had me first when I went to Dallas FC, I had me first ever corn dog, which was ari to be fair, it's just dead dead bready essentially. Um but, you know. Um but I think one of my favourites is pre during and also post in Germany. Just get a big Massive sausage with a, one of them little small buns, so the sausage is poking out of both ends. <laughs> so you can pack it from an open end, pack it from both sides. So <laughs> that's like that's unreal. But I know last last season, me and me and a couple of mates would would try like you know corporate seating just just for the crack. Um, so went to went to Gillingham and we went to um, Woken as well, like over the space of a few different weekends. Um, it was only about, I think they were about 60, 70 quid each, but you got like all your beer and that included and three course meal and all that. So that's a bit of a different experience uh, rather than just standing on the terraces and eating a pie. Um, but I just, you know, different, 
different drinks for different needs and all that. So the thing that always confuses me though, like, and I think this is why Ollie's right about non-league is better because it's like you just got more space and you can like you know you can sit down. And if you've got to eat stuff with your hands, like people got like wings and chips. It's like you can't be eating that in a like packed fifty thousand seat stadium, yeah. and then like nah, like a sort on your jeans. That's it. Like, Do you think like the choices people stadiums make about what they're going to sell is a bit mad? That's it. Like I follow this. Well, I used to follow this account on Twitter, um, like food of football, and there was loads and loads of different stuff. And I, some of it looks really nice. To be fair, don't get us wrong, but I, I'm sort of like. Like you can't eat that sort of stuff. If it doesn't fit in your hand, you shouldn't be eating it at a football match. Stick it in the bin. Nah, Stick it in the bin. It, it annoys me. It, it, like, it, it annoys me. Do you know if you're like, at the match, right, and someone next to you has got a fucking like, massive hot dog, uh-huh. and you're like nervous because it's still nil-nil, and you, you want to win the game, and you're just like, what the fuck are you doing? Uh-huh. Like, why, are you, why are you eating? How can you, how, how can you be eating? I don't know if this um, is still the case, but can you remember like when they first introduced hot dogs in the St. James's Park? In the like... It wasn't a bun that you would like split in half and put the hot dog in. It was basically like this long baguette, and they would pierce it on this like sword thing, and then like put the sausage in it. But if you put the sauce at the bottom, it would all explode. It was just this mad concept. Like I don't know if that's still a thing. I... But then it's put in one of those like weird vacuum packed like foil bags. Stays hot for three weeks. And the bread, bread gets dead wet. <laughs> it just sweats, doesn't it? <laughs> It's awful, like I am um, just so like kind of a, a, a bit of research before we're talking about this. I went on Twitter. There's a, there's a like I said, similar to what you said there, Oli. There's a, a, an account called At Footy Scran. Uh, I don't know yeah. if, you, if you've seen that one. It's so the majority of them look unbelievable, right? Like there's this one, yeah, garlic fries with in the beer. It's Seattle Sounders, which is like twenty four quid, but there's about five pounds worth of chips, and then they've got buffalo chicken macaroni cheese at uh, Nashville. What, what is it? There's an English one here. Loaded chicken pita with tzatziki slaw and chilli sauce. That's at Brighton. See, that's... And good. then I was looking... Aye, that one does. That one, how much was it? Is there a price on that one? Nine quid. It's steep, in it? Mm-hmm. And then I got, <laughs> I was scanning through them and there's one here from Thailand, right? For, from a um, club called BD Patham United. It's 20 baht, 45 pence for a tub of insects. Would you fancy that? <laughs> no, you're absolutely fine, thank you. I brought you, haven't I? No, I'll uh, I'll post a picture of that tub of insects because it doesn't look very nice at all, to be honest. No, I can't imagine a tub of insects. <laughs> bit of protein oh, in it. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I've yeah. got that name. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's move on from the food because I'm starving now. Um, okay, let's talk about managers that make excuses for every single defeat that they have. Um, there's been a few recently. I think the ones that spring to mind are Paul Heckenbottom going absolutely in on the referees last weekend. Uh, and I quote, they haven't got a clue what they're doing, is what he, is what he said, which is pretty mad. Um, and then he went on to say, it's not funny. They're killing the game at the minute, ruining it. It's pretty strong stuff, isn't it? And I think he's likely going to be in the dugout against Newcastle uh, this weekend. In the past, if if kind of Mourinho or, or like if Klopp or someone said like said that, they'd be banned, right? Right. It's just it's it's there's some mad ones in there. I mean, the one that sticks out to me was uh, was Kenny Dalglish when we played. He was a Newcastle manager at the time. We played Stevenage. 
Um, and he said that the balls were too bouncy, so that's why we lost the game. Well, we didn't lose the game, right? But that's why we couldn't beat them. Um, but I think we drew ones each away. She had just come back from a long term injury, you know. Terrible game, like, but I says all oh, the balls are too bouncy. Like, it's two teams playing with them. It's 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 odd, like, and then you've got Ten Hog at the minute whinging about like absolutely everything, yeah. isn't he? Um, blaming his own players, uh, saying that he's not been able to select his first starting eleven yet. And then I think last weekend he mentioned that Brighton have been spending big, which is he's got a cheap, hasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> so he's he's clutching a little bit. Um, nine quid for a nine quid for a chicken pitter and Tatsuki uh, <laughs> Coleslaw, you know. <laughs> It's it's so it got us thinking. Ollie's give us one there. What's what's some of the best excuses that you've heard from a gaffer? Um, like for example, I remember Pardew used to have them every single week, didn't he? Um, Stephen, have you got any that spring to mind at all? No, not really. But uh, it's just um, I'll just start ranting about fucking clock. To be fair, because he he loves an excuse. The grass was too long. It's too windy. Um, Blames the Saudi. Uh, I don't know. He just blames everything, really. Um, sick to death, really. Uh, just die. Uh, old school wise, I feel like old school wise didn't he really used to give that many weird excuses? I know all he said about Kenny Daglish, but old school managers would mostly come out and just say, "I, do you know what, we're crap," or "That's on me." You know, managers should probably take more accountability. Than they do at the minute, where they're just like blaming this, that, and the other, blaming the owners, blaming whatever. You know, just get on with it, do your job. Do you, do you think? Uh, do you think, Stephen? Do you reckon it's just they're under severe pressure at the minute? Like you lose three games in a row, or there's three poor results here. You bang under pressure, on you? Aye, but I, I think there's there's maybe been a little shift recently where like the kind of I think on social media and fans and stuff are getting a bit more behind the manager. I think fans are getting a little bit sick of, you know, chopping and changing managers all the time. I look at Man U, you know, I still see quite a lot of support for Ten Hag, despite them having a topsy-turvy start of the season. Um, they seem to be blaming the press for creating a narrative that Ten Hag isn't very good. Um, he should be under pressure when, you know, they're saying, nah, he's not good. We, we believe in him. Like, players we've got, but the injuries that we've got. Um, so, I, um, I I do understand that, you know, pressure does come from bad results, you know, three, four wins on the last, uh, losses on the trot. Um, and, you know, it's easy to look at the manager, but, you know, I think there are other factors that have started to come into play now when kind of trying to see why a club's not particularly doing as well. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's just to kind of extend on that, Darren, um, do you think it kind of falls on deaf ears, right? When your manager is making these excuses, as fans of that club, you don't really buy them anyways, do you? It's it's you're not going to support these managers' claims. It's the odd. No, but I think there's a I think there's a slightly like parallel point to this that at least in part answers it, and it's sort of like the pressure is so intense. A lot of the time, I don't think they believe it either. It's all that like age-old taking the attention away from either the players or the defeat and just moving it on to like, oh, the grass was too long. And that's what everyone talks about. And it moves it away from the actual game itself. In terms of the excuses, like the, the grass is too long and the balls are too bouncy and the ball boys kick the ball away sort of stuff. 
they're all nonsense excuses. I'm all for that. Like, I think we've leveled the playing field too much. I think we've lost the sort of the benefit you can get from playing at home, particularly when it's smaller clubs playing against big clubs. You need to like take advantage of being at home, and whether that's like hiding the towels, hiding the balls, putting the cold like the showers on cold, turning the lights off. Like, I'm all for that still. Like, I know football's moved on, but I'm a big fan of that. Um, when we were thinking about the excuses themselves, the two that sprung to mind, you mentioned Pardew, who was infamous for it. One of his personal, or one of my personal favourites of his was blaming the Notting Hill Carnival. <laughs> we lost at Fulham. I don't know if that made the roads a bit busy or something, but that was, that was one of them. And then this is an older one, and I don't remember it as such because I wasn't... Uh, I wasn't around, but I've seen it like clips of it since. Tommy Doherty, who was like an old Man United manager when they were shite. And I can't remember if they went down or whether they were uh, just pretty low. He blamed the bus driver because he, uh, he used to pick them up late, but then because he was late, he used to drive so fast, get them there early. And he was the reason that they had a bad season, so they sacked him instead of the manager. <laughs> Classic. But I, I, I was... Um... I was looking at kind of some some great excuses, doing a bit of re, bit of research for this, and I I'll read this one out to you, see if you can remember it and who it's from. Okay, um, it was the most dangerous thing I've seen on a football field for many many years. Robin could have been killed. <laughs> William should have been banned for a long time because Robin's very lucky to be alive. The FA has got to look into it, irrespective of William's having a yellow card. It was absolutely deliberate, absolutely no question. The whistle is gone. The game has stopped, and he's done that right in front of the referee, a foot from the player. <laughs> it was the most horrendous act I've seen in a long, long time. It was a disgraceful act by the player. He could have broken his neck. <laughs> <laughs> Can you remember that one? No, I was trying to work. Is it Robin no, Van Persie? Yeah. That's not. It's it's Alex Ferguson talking about when Ashley Williams kicked the ball off Robin Van Persie's head from like a foot away. <laughs> 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 I remember. Could have killed him. <laughs> Anyways, let's hear more excuses. I, I, we'll, we'll, um, I'm all for these excuses. That are well, there was one, it was, a couple, it was about five, six years ago, something Gordon Strachan was the Scotland manager. Um, and he said something about how Scotland were genetically worse off than the rest of the, the rest of the player, like everyone else, because the, the team is so small. Uh, and it was like Spain had won like two competitions in a row, hadn't it? They'd won the World Cup and the Euros in a row. Uh, having like the smallest side in the world. But I go and strap in Scotland were crap because they were small why they were losing. Picks up It's like reverse uh, It's like reverse racism, <laughs> isn't it? Picks up all our players. You're the manager. Ah, it's insane. Yeah. Odd. Um Right, I uh, just to move move on a little bit. I think let's talk about the beauty in a nil nil win. Obviously, Newcastle were plucky this week against Milan, uh, which was fantastic results. Uh, once the kind of the dust settled, um, got got me thinking of some others. I don't know if you obviously you can remember the England uh, game in the Stadio Olimpico in '97, qualifying for the '98 World Cup. That again was a fantastic nil nil draw. Darren, your trip to Marseille, that served up a nil-nil draw. Um, how was it? Do you want to give us the rundown on that nil-nil? Was it memorable? Well, it was memorable in that the Ultras went mad after and then Marcelino has now left. 
so it sort of it's it has set off a bit of a chain reaction. It's a weird one, isn't it? Because like as a well as a neutral fan, it's a bit different because you just want to see some goals or something. Maybe if you're like the fan of the team that is less favoured in that game, then a nil nil's all right, or you get the draw that you need. So it can be like contextual. So like this game, it wasn't the best of first halves, but then the second half was quite interesting because like Marseille was so favoured. They just threw everything forward and couldn't score, but then they're pretty roby at the back and nearly got caught multiple times. But then Toulouse missed like a few absolute sitters, which was like, that was quite funny. So it was it was entertaining enough. Like, I mean, I've seen some like bold roles. This was like a little bit more entertaining than that. Uh, but when you're, when you're in neutral, because the thing you sort of obviously want to like soak up the atmosphere and see what the stadium's like, but you also want to see what it's like when goals go in and see how fans react when you're like, obviously I was sitting in the Marseille end, so I sort of wanted them, wanted them to score, but I had like, you know, like very little in it. Uh, so I was a little bit disappointed not to, not to see that, but I think there can be a bit of, a bit of beauty in a nil-nil, especially when it's like, you know, like I don't want to get into XG, but when there are loads of chances and it's actually, it gets a bit comical. Yeah. Or like a bit shithousey from the other team. So you, like, there is a bit of a, you can get a bit of enjoyment out of it. Just just in, interested at the end of the game, were the Marseille fans frustrated with the nil-nil? How did they react? Any booing or anything? Or? Uh, it, was quite, it was quite strong. Like, I mean, I, I bailed quite, but I wasn't behind. So the ultra sit like behind the, in the curvas. And I was in like one of the, um, one of the side stands, so I wasn't like amongst it, partly because they could control the ticket in any way, rather than going through Marseille.fr. Um, but I did, there was a fair bit, of, fair bit of noise at the end, and I think they'd like a lot of them rush forward. And I don't think Marcelino's had the best of relationships with them anyway, and obviously, like I think their ultras are like quite vocal and have quite a bit of power. And um, I, in the end, he's just he's just walked, so it was obviously. There was enough in it to uh, to push him out, but I didn't like. I didn't say anything in the way, like you know, they weren't like chucking stuff on the on the pitch out like that. But I, it was a bit of a a bit of a hostile one. Yeah. What was um, Stephen? I'll just come to you, mate. To, to, just to go back to the nil against Milan um, midweek this week. Uh, what was it? What was your takeaway, mate? Obviously, the, watching the game, I'd imagine you found it quite frustrating, like a lot of us. But um, looking back. Do you think it's a, obviously it's a, it's a great draw, right? Yeah, I mean, first of all, like, as you said, it's a fantastic point. Um, first, like, first European game in, what, 20 years or, well, first Champions League game, sorry, in, in about 20 years. Um, I mean, I'll be totally honest, when I was watching it, it was, it was a little dull, um, but, what I did have, and I, I don't know if he's also this as well, but I had a just this weird little sneaky feeling that because we'd been essentially bad pretty much all game, that we were going to sneak a one 0 win. That was just what, like what I was thinking in my head. Like I've seen too many of those where one team does the other, and then the other team don't have a shot on kind of last ten minutes and the score. Um, and I was thinking, ah, oh, might be us, like you know. Just had that weird feeling, and obviously Longstaff nearly won it at the end. Um, do you think Longstaff should have shot? Or should he played in Trippier? 
I, I think it's it's one of those, isn't it? In the moments that late on in the game, you kind of it's it's instinct, isn't it? But I mean, the pass was there, wasn't it? I think if it was maybe early on in the game, you maybe select that pass. But um, yeah, it's a great, it's a great, it's a great point, mate. I think just kind of what you were saying there, the first half was really worrying, wasn't it? And I think obviously we, we ceded a lot of possession, a lot of we conceded a lot of chances. But I don't know about you, but by the second half, I kind of felt like Milan had run out of ideas. They were kind of taking pot shots from. From 20, 25 yards, and it was a, it ended up being a, a great defensive display. And like you say, mm-hmm. we could have pinched it at the end. Um, Ollie, what what what's your thoughts on the on the the, the home game? Mate? Do you think we've got enough to uh, to to win at home against Milan? Against Milan, yeah, definitely. I, I, um, I think we're short enough on the night. I thought obviously we were under the cost for quite a, a while, weren't we? Um, and they sort of dominated the game for about twenty five minutes, but. I think generally, like we've got a chance. I think it was quite a, a fair match, wasn't it? And I think it was. Um, I think we've got enough to to, to get a result against Milan. I PSG, on the other hand, I'm not really sure. I suppose it just depends. Depends on what happens, doesn't it? Uh, totally. What what's um what what's your summary, uh, Darren? What do you think? Do you think kind of a good start point on the boards, and we'll kind of develop as we go. Like we'll grow into the competition. I think it's a I think it's a great start. I mean like a point on the board away from home. These things have been said tons of times, but they are they are really important. I don't think it'd be understated how hard the Champions League actually is. It's like it feels um, like it felt like a much faster I know people say like Italian football's slow and a bit dull, or at least historically, I don't think it is that now, but it was it was quite a fast game. Like and it was quite an intense game, maybe more so than they anticipated, and it was with thirty degrees. And obviously, like all of the away games are going to be really different. Whereas you can control it a bit more; you're at least more familiar with it in the um, in the Premier League. So I think, well, I mean, it wasn't. I'm not going to say we were better than them because we weren't, and they, you know, they could have won it. I think the amount of shots they had is probably a bit. Because they had so many shots from distance, and most of the saves that Port made were like fairly straightforward. I think that maybe you can get a bit lost in those figures and say like, "Oh, well, I had twenty four, twenty five shots." Like, yeah, yeah. But I mean, we blocked a third of them. Uh-huh. Most of them, maybe half were outside the box. There was only a couple of chances that were like really like glaring opportunities. There's a few things that were worrying. I thought we we didn't at least in the first half didn't win too many headers in the in our box from corners. I thought they attacked the ball quite well. The only thing, the only worry I'd have about the home game is they like to play it on the counter. And if we push on at home, which you'd expect we would, that maybe suits them. But I think we'll, we'll have learned so much that we can definitely, yeah, you know, we can definitely like build on that performance and every game is going to be really different. I noticed that as well. It's like the standard was just so much better than than anything where you still really wasn't it. And it was it was intense, wasn't it? And it just felt like a completely different. I was I was sat watching it thinking this just feels completely different to anything I've experienced. And I mean, I've yeah. seen my team play in the Champions League before, but it was uh, it was so intense. Huh? There was there was a lot a lot of news and firsts, wasn't there? A lot, a lot of new experiences, yeah. like. Kind of a, a baby step into the Champions League, and, and they the, did themselves proud. I think in the end, obviously, didn't trouble their keeper an awful lot. But uh, yeah, the, be- the beauty in a nil-nil, right? Like we take that point and, and move on. I think 
one thing that stood out for me is um, I just I can't believe that Tamori isn't our first choice centre half for England. Like, what a what a player he is. He's he's unflappable. Um, and if you're thinking of a perfect partner to go alongside Botman for the future, it's him, right? right? He was unbelievable. I, I, I suppose the thing with yeah. the thing with um, the Milan game, like, I mean, I, I thought Trippier was outstanding. I thought Longstaff was outstanding. Um, I thought Wilson looked decent when he came on. Um, but I think um, when I was looking at the game and I was watching the game, it's sort of they they seemed at first like they were so much better than us. And we just grew into the game, and I think I'm hoping that that's just obviously a sign going forwards that um, that we can just grow into the Champions League, really. And if, if you'd said to me at the start of the game, you can have a nil-nil away from home against a team who's just been in the semi-final of the Champions League last season, I would have snapped my hands off for it. I think, I think yes, there's people saying we didn't play very well. There's people saying that we could have, we could have snatched it or we're, we're under the cost quite a bit. Well, ultimately, we've got a nil-nil draw against the semi-finalists the last season, and I think you can't really complain with that. I think to get a clean sheet there after after being under the cost for so long, we defended really well. Yes, they got chances, but that's—I mean—that's going to happen at that level, isn't it? They'll definitely be more annoyed than us leaving with a point. Do you know what I mean? Because they look at it and think, "Oh, you know, they're from the fourth pot. They've not been in the competition in years." They haven't started the season too well. We should beat them. Easy three points on the board and then we'll move on to PSG and Dortmund. Um, so I think we maybe surprised them a little bit as well as to how well we did defend. Mm-hmm. Um, we probably frustrated them. Well, I think we definitely frustrated them. Um, I've seen a few comments saying that we're clearly in this all football or whatever, but you've got to adapt to your surroundings. And, you know, for many of them, it was the first Champions League game. So I think we did really, really well. And respected how for sticking with his morals, sticking with his guns, and putting the players who he thought were the best fit out there, even with a lack of experience. So and as Steve Bruce said, he's dominated the world for three hundred thousand years. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come the come the end of the groups, if we, you know, either finish third and get into the Europa, or hopefully finish. I don't think we'll win it, but you know, hopefully finish second and go through. If we do that by a point, then Hi. yeah, you know, you can you can trace it back, trace it back to this. I think one of the interesting things about this group more than more than the others is enough. Like we've all seen it described as the group of death. I think partly because we came out fourth, and that we're probably like a pretty strong side to come out fourth. But if you look at the other three, but I think the other three teams are weird in that they're not the you know it's not the AC Milan of the game. 80s, 90s, it's not dormant of well, various iterations of dormant over the last 15 years, or I guess same for PSG, that it's a few, it's four clubs really in transition, but it's like how unpredictable all four of them are, that's going to make this group really interesting and make every game different. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which makes definitely. it a really good, you know, really, good, really good group, I think. Yeah, I it's definitely... If you think of like the recent history of the Champions League, it's definitely the most interesting group I think that's been in a in a long time. Um, I don't know if he's watched the draw live, but you could sense when we when we were being drawn, you just knew we were going to go in that mm-hmm. group. And then I don't know if you again if you're watching it live and when it said Newcastle in was it Group F or whatever it is, um, there was just a loud like like from the actual people watching, so they knew it like you know. I think they didn't want us 
in their group as probably we didn't really want to go into that group but you know what a what a draw essentially and it's like I'm, I'm looking forward to, to the next five Champions League games as well as the league as well it's just it's just exciting to be in there do you know what I mean what could be like Brighton losing home to AK Athens and or Villa losing away to Legia Warsaw all the shit they give us for us draw nil nil in the line uh-huh. Um, yeah. That's it. But yeah, yeah, ask yourself what you want to be in the Champions League for, and it's like, you, yeah, we could have we could have got a group with like Feyenoord, uh, Red Star Belgrade, um, and somebody else, sort of, uh, not not like a big name in group in pot two. I can't remember who was in pot two now. Um, or we could end up with Rangers or something, and it would have been an easier group, and it would have been would have been a higher chance of qualifying from it. But actually, you're in the Champions League. You want to be playing the best. I mean, it should be the Champions League, where you know you're playing against the champions of the best, play, the best teams in the world. So I'm, I was buzzing with the draw anyway, to be honest. Regardless of where we finished in the group, but now, now we're in it, and I feel feel a bit more comfortable about where we're, when we finish second or third. Um, the thing is, as well, the, the thing is as well, Ollie, that um, this is the last kind of iteration of the Champions League where it's going to have a group. You know what I mean? So it's like, how lucky are we to get no, this group? I definitely. Exactly. And it's all about, like, when it comes down, I know we want to be a club that, like, progresses and, you know, like, it's, I don't like this phrase, but it's, like, the process, <laughs> which is a bit of a shitty thing that people say these days. But I guess we are, like, going to continue to grow. But fundamentally, it's about the fans and six games that they can get, like, amazing memories yeah. from. And, like, mm. I mean... Obviously, not a great deal of history at PSG, but the other two, like, going to be unbelievable. But obviously, at least PSG, you've got the like Mbappe factor, and you get to watch probably the best player in the world up against the best right back in the world. <laughs> exactly. Um, Craft back leg. Sorry, the only thing I was going to say that. The the one like I mean I wasn't there got like mates who were there and I'm sure you guys have as well. I think the only thing nil nil is great in a way because you, you know you know build on a clean sheet in that it would have been nice even if we drew to have that goal mm. like just like to se- even if even if it was one one like to to the memory of celebrating the goal like because people still still talk about you know like Shoulder at the new camp Andy Griffin against uh, UV like yeah those memories yeah. It'll all come, won't it? I, I, I would yeah. expect that's all to come, isn't it? In the group, we'll talk about it forever, like we do with the others. Yeah, I mean, um, what 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 one interesting thing that came from kind of the the pre match, which I, I thought was really interesting, is that I was talking about how much it didn't it didn't matter about playing on the pitch or, or seeing the stadium beforehand. I was just interested to see what you thought about that. What what what's your take on that, Stephen? Do you think it's um it's fair fair comment, or do you think? It, in actual fact, it would have been good to kind of get in there, get get a feel for your surroundings, see what the bounce is like on the pitch, etc. You know. Yeah, I mean, I've got no reason not to trust anyhow. But in in my opinion, I think it, especially for the new lads, it would have given them a bit of a chance just to you know get acclimatised to the settings, get out on the pitch, um, check the grass, see the bounce of the ball, the way the ball rolls sort of stuff and just had a little bit of a kick around. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm not a football manager, so I'm not, you know, that's his way, then that's yeah. his way. Um, but I, I was surprised there was such a big deal made of it because I, I seem to be hearing about it everywhere when, you know, it's 
in in my in my opinion, I would have done it, but I, I understand why he didn't. To be fair, yeah, I, like I think it was like there was difficulties getting there. I think Howe's kind of quite clever psychologically, isn't he? He's kind of sending that message to the players, like it doesn't matter, you know, like you know what the tactics are, you know what the game plan is, like that. That's the that, that's the channel he's going down, isn't it, Ollie? Like, he's, he's taking it away, the pressure away from well, the players. That was players my there. thing. It was also about it, it doesn't matter and taking the pressure away, but also about like Sean Milan, like you you don't matter to us as well. It's sort of like you know, yeah. we can go there and show you all this respect, or we can stay here and think, ah, oh, well, it doesn't, it, it's not that important. That's that's sort of where I was coming from and, and why I thought it was. Um, he was doing it. I don't know. I, I'm sort of with Ev. I think if it was me, I'd have done it. I'd rather just know about the surface. I'd know, you know, have a bit of a training session there and, and, and see what it's like and get the grips with it. But how, really, I mean, you're talking about these days. If, 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 you, if that was like 50 years ago when the pitches were shite, but all these pitches are fairly similar, aren't they? Like, they can't be too much different, can they? You, you've just, yeah, you've just, you, you've just, um, I've just thought back there. I don't know if you remember the San Siro pitch from when uh, Ronaldo was playing for Inter. It was like a cow field and it was like different colours and the patch of the green grass. You didn't say that anymore, do you? Like foreign pitches which are awful. I remember Barcelona's was like that as well, back in the kind of the, the uh, 90s. It's all manufacturing really grown and stuff now, isn't it? So there's never there's always grass there, isn't there? And that and that's that's it. So we're we're talking about kind of the bounce of the ball and the the, the, the lie of the ball and the roll of it and it's it's the same anywhere you go now, yeah. isn't it really? That's kind of old school stuff, I think. Um now let's say uh, it'll be good to see how we progress. I mean, in it's exciting. I, I kind of wait for the next oh, one. I am. Yes, Aye. Cool. I think just kind of to move us on and, and bring us to a close. Uh, I sent you all this week's fixtures. I did all the work for you. <laughs> You're <laughs> welcome. Um, I want you all just to pull out some narrative from us uh, for us. Kind of where you think the headlines and the stories are going to be this week. Um, I'll, I'll kick us off just to give you a few moments to, to, to get you, yourselves together. I think that uh, Luton will get their first three points this weekend against Wolves. Wolves are terrible. I think um, I think Luton are going to do it. They're going to get the first win under the belt and it may be, it may be the last one. I think I'll, uh, I'll, I'll pass it on to you, to you first, Ollie. What's, what's your thoughts? Where do you think there's some, some noise this I've weekend? I've got a feeling um, that Burnley are going to beat Man U. Um, oh, that would be I easy. think well, I'd love it, like I. But uh, I think Man are, are struggling, aren't they? they? They are really struggling. Um, they've had a they've had a result in um in the Champions League. They've, uh, sorry, they've had a game in the Champions League as well on uh, on Tuesday, uh, Wednesday when they played. So they'll be tired. Um, things aren't going very well there. There seems to be a lot of upheaval there. There seems to be a lot of like. I mean, this Sancho thing probably goes quite a lot deeper than um than it seems on the surface of things. Uh, it obviously, to, I mean, to me, it's like this is about a manager who hasn't maybe potentially got the respect of the dressing room or some of the dressing room anyway. Um, I mean, so I can't. You may tell us differently, but I can't remember Sancho causing any problems at Dortmund, and, and as far as I'm aware, they they're happily taken back. Um, so it's just I don't know. I think they're in a, a bit of a, a mess at the minute, and long may it continue. But uh, but I think I fancy Burnley today to sneak one. Company plays some decent like. Decent football as well, isn't he? And I think he's 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 continued what he did in the champ in the championship in the Premier League, which is sort of quite admirable as well. But I think there's going to come a time when he's maybe he's going to have to change things a little bit, um, and sort of be a bit more defensive minded and what have you. But 
he's he's trying something which is which has obviously worked for him for the last year. He's been they were brilliant in the championship last season, um, and I think you know I'd love to see them win it anyway because they deserve it. They deserve a win for the way they're trying to play. But um, I I just I fancy Burnley today. Fair enough, Burnley win. Um, Darren, what do you think? Where can you see something happening? <clears throat> maybe the maybe the most obvious obvious game to pick, but North London Derby, two teams in a decent bit of form. Obviously, early in the season, so it's like you know, it's not enough to make any any big differences. But I quite, I quite fancy one of one of the Arsenal keepers, whoever starts to make a to make a howler. I think I think Arteta, in trying to bring in the keeper he wants. And build this weird narrative around it that it's actually about rotation, which I don't believe it is. Although you know, might be wrong. I think there's now too much on it, and one of them is going to make a howler in in this mm. game. Yeah, but I am looking forward to that good. game. I think it'll be a good one. Yeah, no, definitely. It's not not a bad show to be honest. Um, and just to close us out, Stephen, what do you think? What do you think? Uh, anything happening? Um, so, I mean, in in terms of the North London derby, what I think is going to happen. Is you know like Big Ange's being on this like you know like he's everyone's loving him and he's like oh like mate this and mate that. I want him and Arteta to have a slanging argument, pointing each other's faces on the touchline. That that that's what I kind of want to happen. Um, but I'll I'll move it to another game. I just thought I'd just quickly touch on that. Um, you've taken all the good ones to be fair. Um, I reckon. Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to do one for tomorrow so when people listen they can actually think oh that may happen um, I reckon I noticed when I was having a having a scout through the the odds this morning Villa are 3-1 to one away at Chelsea um, I know they didn't play the full strength side away on Thursday night so they've got some players rested but I think that could be a decent shout for a sort of Villa to go in there and maybe make a 2-1 or a 1-0 especially as Chelsea cannot score at the minute um, I know Villa haven't necessarily been great at the back, but they've been fantastic going forward. Um, so I think Villa will be Chelsea. No, that's not a bad shot. That's, that's, not, on, that's <laughs> not on telly that game, is it? Something. Social media this week is like, is A, why is the North London Derby at 2 o'clock? And B, why are Newcastle game at us for? And why is Newcastle on the telly again? Everyone's just at a different way, which. Fair enough. Which I absolutely love. Yeah, exactly what we want. Just as an aside, before Postacoglu well, went to Celtic, like, the only big Ange I'd ever heard of was Toadfish or Betty's mum off, uh, off Neighbours. <laughs> <laughs> that is some reference yeah. that Ollie like. That is quality, yeah. Um, just to kind of go back to that, like, Arteta fancies himself a little bit, but big Ange would sort him out, oh, wouldn't he, surely? Oh, absolutely. He's like, I, I think, he's in the calm though. I, I was going to say, I feel like Andrew's got something about him where he can kind of dismiss Arteta without getting angry. Just be like, get away. You know what I mean? It's uh, going to be interesting. But Arteta can get right into your skin. If you remember, like, you, you very rarely see any help getting rattled, but when we played Arsenal away last year, he did end up getting a bit rattled, didn't he? So... I think Big Ange, like, you've not seen him rattled yet. I would, I would love to see him, like, just kind of on the touchline. And then, it, like, yeah, I don't know. I just want to see him do something because 
I think uh, he is obviously a decent bloke. Uh, he's done well so far, but, you know, I want to see him have that nasty streak to him, you know, yeah. screaming on Tetter's face. Yeah, to, to be fair, he's a, he's, a, he's a lovely bloke, isn't he? I don't. You've probably all seen that video, haven't you? Is where he's kind of. I think he's at a, a Spurs supporters club talking, and um, the the presenters kind of wrapping up, right? No more questions and all that, and, and Alan stops him, and there's like a, a guy with Down syndrome in the front row dying to ask a question, and uh, Alan just like, look, I, I know you've been trying to ask this question for a long time, and kind of stops the whole proceedings from the, for the for this for this guy to ask uh, the question. Unbelievable, isn't it? Mm-hmm. He's, um, he just knows how to. It's one of those things that shouldn't really be a big issue, but but it is because of the way other people treat you know um, people with disabilities yeah. and stuff. So it, it's great that he's done it. It's great that he's took the time. I apologise, by the way, if you could hear someone running down the stairs. There, my dog pinched me watch, and I was trying to chase him as quietly as possible to get it back. <laughs> Ask him what the time is. Ten Bernard's watch. He's, he's having me life. <laughs> Well, uh, thanks a lot. It's been emotional. Thanks for joining us again. We'll be back again next week, unless we all get the shits. Um, Have a great weekend, and bye for now.